Thank you. So you get a second week without Matthew. So it's not normal. But they're having fun in Disney World, so I'm a little bit jealous. But I don't know if I'm jealous of Disney World with kids. Disney World without kids, probably fun. Disney World with kids, I don't have kids, but I don't know. This doesn't sound as fun. Maybe at a certain age, but anyway. So usually when I've spoken, like we've been in a series, and I just, you know, obviously spoke on the next passage. But today I kind of had the freedom to choose what to talk about. And, you know, I've just prayed about it, and God just put this idea of prayer on my heart. And to be honest with you, I think the reason that God put it on my heart is, and this is not calling anybody out, but at Origins and community groups and even before, you know, we ask people to pray, and like there's just this awkward silence. No one wants to pray, right? And so, you know, I know it's nerve-wracking to pray in front of people, and I mean, it's even nerve-wracking for for me or for anybody, but, you know, or maybe we just don't know how to pray, and that's why we're talking about this today. But, so that's kind of why God put it on my heart, I feel like, and you know, prayer is a very interesting thing because in our culture, I feel like prayer looks a lot of different ways, which can be really confusing. Um, it could be that, you know, your memory of prayer is like when you were a little kid and your parents took you in to bed at night and you said a bedtime prayer. Um, you could have came from like a really structured church background, and so prayer was like something you read off a page. Maybe that's your background. It could be that your only really experience with prayer is like a really desperate moment. So it could be that, you know, a loved one was not was sick or you were in a really, like, dire financial situation. Maybe that's your only experience with prayer. Or it could be that Bon Jovi is your only experience with prayer. Who knows? But prayer can be really confusing in our culture. So, you know, the good thing is that Jesus gave us a template. Like, he told us how to pray. And so it shouldn't be confusing because we have it right in front of us in the Bible. Um, And so we see the Lord's Prayer, as many people know it, or the model prayer can be called, is found in both Matthew and Luke. And we're going to look mainly at Matthew today. So if you want to kind of turn your Bibles to Matthew 6, and it'll also be on the screen. And I'm just going to open us in prayer before we talk about prayer. How about that? Uh, Father, thank you so much for today and just for, Father, for worship, just that we get to worship you freely in this place and Father, just bring glory to your name, because that's what we're all about. And uh, Father, I just pray that today you you would give me the words to say and the boldness to share your message. And Father, that we would just leave here changed and knowing how to pray. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, so we're going to be in Matthew 6, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 13. And they'll be up on the screen if you don't have it in front of you. And so Jesus, Jesus is teaching about prayer, and this is what he says. He says, when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So you've probably heard that before. If I, if I had to guess. But our goal is we're going to look at this, and we're going to talk about it, each part of it, and then we're going to practice praying. We're just going to pray. So that's kind of where we're going today. Um, so in this passage in Matthew, Jesus is teaching, and he just talks about prayer. But when we see the Lord's Prayer in Luke, Jesus responds when the disciples ask him directly, how do, how do we pray? Jesus, how do we pray? And he responds. 
So in the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, a lot of times we see the same story, right? Like you can read about the resurrection in all, all the Gospels, and it's the, same, it's the same story, right? Jesus only raised from the dead once. It's not four separate times. But I kind of think, given the context, that maybe Jesus gave this model prayer twice because it's, it's a little bit different. Because in Matthew, he's teaching about stuff, and he just goes into prayer. But in Luke, the disciples ask him, hey, how do we pray? And he gives it. So I think Jesus gave it twice, which means it's pretty important, and, you know, it's the same thing. Um, so in verse 7, uh, he starts out, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. So prayer is not just reciting words to sound smart, right? It's not what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation with God. Um, and so, you know, I'm not saying that it's wrong to recite a prayer. Like, if you really mean it and you recite a prayer, that's okay. But it's not, a prayer is not, should not be just empty words to sound smart or to be seen, right, as the Pharisees. Um, I kind of think of, so you've probably heard the Lord's Prayer, and one thing I think about is like football, right? You ever seen the high school football team who like says the Lord's Prayer before they go onto the field? I would guess that probably 90% of those people have no idea what they're saying. They're just like saying it because it's, let's get pumped up and go play football. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. I don't really get that, to be honest with you, but I kind of feel like that, that's opposite of the purpose of the Lord's Prayer, right? Like, they're just reciting it to go get pumped up, not really knowing what it means, just saying it because they can say it. But, like, Jesus says, no, don't just recite empty words. Like, when you pray, you should pray with your heart because God knows what you ask before you ask him. So the Lord's Prayer, even though a lot of us may have memorized it as a kid, is not meant just to be memorized and recited. That's not the point of it. It's meant to be a template, right? So a template guides us and, and doesn't, and when you have a template, you don't just read off the template. You, it guides you, right, in what you're supposed to do. So that's the point of the Lord's Prayer. So my challenge to you today as we go through this is you may have this memorized, I know, but just kind of try to set aside that familiarity with this verse, with this passage, and just let's try to look at it in a new way and see exactly what Jesus is saying. That's what I, whenever I studied for this and looked at it, that was, what, that was my goal. So I'm going to challenge you in that same way. Let's look at it in a fresh way. Let's see what Jesus is saying. Let's see what Jesus is not saying, and then let's just try to do it. And I'm going to try to be really practical, too. Like, that's one of my goals. I want, to, I want this to be really, really practical because we can read God's Word all we want, but if we don't apply it to our lives, it's just an academic exercise, right? That's not, that's not the goal today. So let's, let's get into the prayer. So um, in verse 9, Jesus says, Pray like this, our Father in heaven. Now that first line, we look over that a lot, right? but it actually has a lot of meaning. First, it says our. If you'll notice in this prayer, there's no personal pronouns. It doesn't ever say I or me in this prayer. And it's so easy to make prayer about I and me. I, I know I do that. Like, God, I need this. I want this to happen. It's all about me. But no, prayer is about, is about God, and it's about living in community. So when we're called into a relationship with Christ, we're called into a community, right, of believers. That's what, that's what the church is. And so we should pray collectively to God, not just for our personal me and I stuff. Um, and also, Father in heaven. So our Father in heaven. Father tells us two things. It tells us who God is and it tells us who we are, right? So like, you know, for those dads out there, you're a dad. If your kid calls you dad, that means that they're saying, hey, I'm your son. 
and you're my dad. So that says, when we say our father in heaven, that says who God is and who we are. We're God, God is our father and we are his children. And that's who we're praying to. Um, and so and I told you that this prayer is found in Luke as well. So I'm going to flip there. You don't have to. It's going to be on the screen. Um, but in Luke's account, so he gives the model, Jesus gives the model prayer and he continues teaching. And I'm going to be in Luke 11, and I'm going to start in verse 11. And Jesus says this. He says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I feel like this verse just explains the whole, the whole entire, like, reason that the, the model prayer starts with our father in heaven. Fathers want best for their kids, right? Like, I'm not a dad, but I would imagine most of you who are dads in here, you want best for your kids. Now, we do live in a fallen world, and so there's sin in the world, so not all fathers here are perfect. But our father is in heaven, and he is perfect, and he wants what's best for us, and he knows what's best for us, even when we don't know what's best for ourselves. And so when we pray, our father in heaven, we're praying like, God, you're my father, and I'm your child, and I trust that you know what's best for me, and I'm asking for that. And so that first line, like, that's what it's saying. We are praying to God. He, he is the one audience of our prayers. So I know that when you pray in front of people, we all have, I have a fear of man. All of us struggle with that, I'm sure, to some extent. But we're praying to God, and that's all that matters. And he is our audience, and he knows what's best for us, and he wants what's best for us. Um, and it doesn't mean we shouldn't pray together in community. We should. But when we pray, it should be to God, not, not just for others to hear us. And so our Father in heaven is important because it tells us who we're praying to, not just God, but who God is and who we are in, in relationship with God as his children. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways to break up the Lord's Prayer. Like you can, you can go out there and you can hear hundreds of sermons on the Lord's Prayer and you can see, you know, there's acronyms and there's all this kind of stuff, but I just kind of looked at it, and I'm, I broke it into four parts just to kind of help us to, to go today. Um, and that first part is going to be next. It's going to be Matthew 6, 9 through 10, and it just says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I don't know about you, but I don't really use the word hallowed in my everyday vernacular. I would guess you probably don't as well. And so as a kid, like, I, I knew this prayer, like, I could say it from memory, but I had no idea what hallowed means. And really, unless, until I just looked it up, like, I never really thought, what does hallowed mean? Like, what does that word mean? Um, so I'm going to tell you what it means. So the word hallowed means made holy, or it means greatly revered and honored. So we're praying, um, when we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we're saying, God, may your name be made holy. May your, na- may your name be revered and honored. That's what we're saying. And so then when the prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When those two things happen, God's name is hallowed. When, when God's kingdom comes and when God's will is done um, on earth as it is in heaven, God's name is hallowed. His name is made great. His name is made holy. Um, but here's the thing. Our prayers don't change God. Just think about that for a second. God is eternal, right? He's immovable. He's perfect. He's holy. Our prayers don't change God's mind. When we pray, we're not praying to cha- for God to change. When we pray, 
we're praying that our hearts would come in line with God's heart. Um, prayer changes us, it doesn't change God. And so I know a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, like my mindset when I pray is like, God, I really need you to do this thing for me. Like, would you please just do it? No, like prayer pulls us in line with God. And if it's God's will for it to happen, it'll happen. And if it's not, it won't. But hopefully our desires will become, will become God's desires. So when we pray for those things to happen and our desires are in line with God, they will happen. Um, prayer is acknowledging God's sovereignty in our lives, right? So when we're saying, hey, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, like his kingdom's coming and his will is going to be done. Like it doesn't matter. If you pray it or not, it's going to happen. But what we're saying is, God, like I acknowledge you're sovereign in my life. Like I'm just praying for your kingdom to come in my life and for your will, be, will to be done in my life. And God, make my desires your desires. That's what that's all about. Um, and here's the thing, like, when we really believe this and we really surrender to God's sovereignty, man, like, it does wonders for anxiety. Like, I'm, I'm a person that deals with, with anxiety, but, like, when I realize, hey, God's a good God. He wants what's best for me. He, like, his will is going to be done in my life no matter what. Like, God, your, your kingdom's coming, and I want to be part of it. When we acknowledge that and we trust that God's a good father, it's going to remove anxiety, and it's going to remove fear, and it's going to remove doubt in our lives. Um, so we should pray for God's name to be hallowed in our lives. We should pray for his will to be done in our lives, for his glory to reign supreme in our lives, because it's going to happen anyway, and when we, just, when we just surrender to God, man, it removes so much fear, and it removes so much anxiety in our lives. Um, so that's what that's all about. So next, uh, the next thing that he says, that Jesus says in this prayer, is give us this day our daily bread. Now, like it's sort of a weird way to say it, just in our culture. Um, man, bread is just sort of this example or the symbol of just daily provision, right? Like we have to have food and water to live. And so this is, um, this is a prayer for provision. And notice that it doesn't come until after we talk about hallowing God's name or, gl- or glorifying God. Um, prayer is not talking to a genie, right? This is not Aladdin. You don't get three wishes. Like, you know, we do ask God for what we want, what we need, um, but it's all about glorifying God. God wants to hear our needs, um, even though he already knows what they are. He wants, he, he wants a relationship with us, right? Like, he wants a relationship with us. And a relationship, even though, like, think about your spouse or a friend of yours, like, you might know what they're about to say, but you still want to hear, you want to talk to them. You want to hear their heart or what they have to say, even though you might know, already know what's going on, you want to hear them. And so God's the same way with us. He knows what's going on in our lives. He knows that we need to eat and drink every day to live, but he wants us to acknowledge his sovereignty and say, God, like, I can't do this without you. I need you. Uh, just even for the basics. Um, if you just kind of look over, um, if you're already at Matthew 6, um, just a little bit further down in this, in this chapter, Jesus is continuing to teach about prayer. And I'm going to read starting in verse 25. Um, and Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So I feel like Jesus expounds on this, right, a little bit later in this chapter. And he's like, hey, God's going to provide. God's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of us, right? He loves us. He's a good father. And so, you know, he's going to provide for our daily needs. And a big part of this is give us this day our daily bread. So, like, we just need to be reliant on God for even the most basic things and just say, God, today, I just pray that you provide for my needs today. Today. Um, if, you, if you remember in Exodus, so the Israelites, they leave Egypt, right? And they cross the Red Sea, and they're wandering out in the desert. And the people are coming to Moses. They're like, we're starving to death. We're thirsty. Like, what do we do? And Moses prays to God, and God provides this manna from heaven, right? This manna comes down. And Moses, and God tells Moses, he says, tell the people, just take enough for this for the day. Take what you need for the day. I'll provide again tomorrow for the people's needs. And so we're stubborn, right? And so the people started, like, gathering up all this extra stuff, and it rotted overnight. Like, God gave them what they needed for that day, and anything they tried to store up, it rotted. And then the next day, he provided again. And so that's, that's an example to us, right? We should pray to God for our basic needs. God, just give me what I need for today. And then when he does, because he will, we should be thankful. And that, that's glorifying to God. So when Jesus, when Jesus gives this, give us to stay our daily bread in the model prayer, Jesus is saying, hey, when you pray, ask God just for your daily basic needs. That's what this is about. All right? And it's not just in times of distress, right? This is talking about basic daily needs, food and water, just what we need to survive, oxygen, breath. All right, he goes on in verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we, have, as we have also forgiven our debtors. So when we're praying to God for daily bread, we're praying for our most urgent physical need, right? Food and water and oxygen, most urgent physical need. When we pray to God for forgiveness, that's our most urgent spiritual need. Think about that. Forgiveness is our most urgent spiritual need because sin is our biggest problem that we can't fix on our own. Like we're, We are sinners, and we cannot save ourselves. We cannot fix our sin problem on our own. In Ephesians 2, Paul tells us that we're, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Like We're dead. We cannot. There's nothing we can do on our own. Completely dead in our trespasses and sins. But he says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with, with Christ. And it's by grace we've been saved. So, so God sent Jesus Christ to this earth to fix our, most, our biggest problem, our sin problem. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he bore the weight of all that sin. This is the gospel. Jesus bore the weight of all that sin that we couldn't pay ourselves, and he overcame it. And then he, he rose from the grave. We need God's forgiveness. We cannot fix our sin problem on our own. And so when we pray to God, hey, forgive us our debts, we're acknowledging that. God, we cannot forgive our own debts. We cannot repay for our own sins. We need you to forgive us of those. Um, and it's, the gospel is that, that when God sees us, he sees Christ. 
He, he sees the, the righteousness of Jesus when he looks on us for those of us that have a relationship with Christ. Um, and so when we ask forgiveness, we acknowledge that, and we acknowledge God's atoning work of, of putting Jesus on the cross. Um, man, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what, what will, but that's our biggest problem, sin, and, and God gave us a way to overcome that through Jesus Christ. Um, and so, you know, when we've experienced that grace, we can't help but to, to give that to other people, right? So that's when we say, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So because we've received grace, we've got to give grace. We should be, we, we're supposed to be like Jesus, right? And that's the whole point. Like when God calls us into a relationship with himself, he transforms us to be more like him. And so we should give grace just like we've been given grace. So when we pray for God to forgive us of our sins, naturally, naturally we have to pray, hey God, who should I forgive? Who is sending against me? in my life? Who am I holding a grudge against? Um, man, when we've, ex- when we've experienced much grace, we can't help but give much grace. And so, really, when we pray for forgiveness, we're acknowledging our sin, we're acknowledging God's ability to save us from that, and we're asking, hey, God, who can I forgive just, just like you've forgiven me? And then the, and, and there's, there is such freedom in forgiveness. I mean, think about the chains that are broken in our own lives because of forgiveness. Um, and when you forgive someone else, it can be so freeing. Holding a grudge is not a fun thing to do. Um, man, and sometimes it takes humility to forgive because when someone wrongs you and when someone wrongs me, like, man, I'm like, man, they, I want them to be wronged. Like, that's our natural sinful, like, self, right? We want, like, vengeance. We want, we want someone to experience the same pain that they've inflicted on us, but that's not God's way. He says, hey, look, just forgive them. Forgive them. It's so freeing. All right, let's look at the last part of this prayer. And then it's in verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This part is about protection and guidance. Um, man, so when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he told all his, all of his disciples, listen, I've got to leave. But something better is coming. That's what he said. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And man, the Holy Spirit lives within us, those of us that know Christ. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And the Holy Spirit guides us and the Holy Spirit protects us. And so when we, when we pray this, lead us not into, into temptation but deliver us from evil, we're praying that the Holy Spirit would just guide us away from anything that would bring harm to us. Guide us away from the evil one. You see, God tests us, but it's Satan who tempts us. God will put tests in our lives. If you look at Job, that's a great example. But it's Satan who tempts us to sin. And the Holy Spirit is our only protection that we have from that. Um, And so when we pray for this protection, we're praying that the Holy Spirit would lead us in a direction that, you know, that we would avoid temptation, that we would avoid the evil one in our lives. Um, God is our protector. On our own, we're going to fall every single time. When we're tempted, if we're not relying on God and we're relying on ourselves, you might can hold back for a little bit, but eventually we're, gonna, we're all going to fall. It's only the Holy Spirit living in us that can really protect us from, that, from those temptations, from the evil one. And so when we pray for this, to lead us out of temptation and deliver us from evil, we are praying that the, the Holy Spirit would just be present in our lives, and he is. We just have to realize that the Holy Spirit is within us, acknowledge the Holy Spirit, and uh, don't be, you know, stay away from temptation. So, 
the cool thing about this prayer is that the last three things we just talked about all point back to the first, if you think about it. When we seek God for our basic needs and acknowledge his sovereignty in our lives, we hallow his name. We bring him glory because we're acknowledging his sovereignty. When we seek forgiveness from God, acknowledge our sin, and acknowledge Christ's atoning work in our lives, and when we forgive others, we hallow God's name. We bring glory to God's name. When we allow the Holy Spirit to protect us from temptation and we don't fall into traps of sin, we bring glory to God's name, right? So really, the last three parts of the prayer, when we live that, we embody the first part, um, which is we hallow God's name. We, we bring glory to his name. Um, and that's how we do it, by doing the other. We bring glory to God's name by, doing, by living out the, the, the prayer. Not just praying, but living it out. Um, and so, man, I know I kind of went through that a little bit quick, but I just want to give us time to pray because, you know what, we can talk about prayer all day long, but until we actually pray, we're just talking about prayer. We're not praying, right? So prayer should be exciting. I don't know. I was trying to think of a comparison, and I feel like this is a little bit weak, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I mean, think about who your favorite celebrity is. I don't really have a favorite celebrity. I mean, I like sports, but... I don't know, I'm not really a big celebrity person, but just think about if there's one person on earth you could talk to, like your favorite person, and how excited you would be to talk to that person, and just to get to know them personally, and to hear about, to tell them about your life, and hear about theirs. Like, think about that, but like times a million, because it's God. He created the whole, he created the whole world. He created you in his image. He loves you. Like, we get to talk to him. That should be exciting. Like, man, we get to talk to the God who created the whole, the whole world. We get to talk to the God who created me we get to talk to the God who loves us. Like, that should be really exciting. Um, so, yeah, like, don't think of prayer as a chore. Think of it as something, like, really exciting. Think of it as getting to talk to the creator of the world who wants to have a relationship with you, who loves you. That's what it's all about. So we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We are going to have some people kind of just show us how this is done, basically. So I've asked a few people to come up and pray, and what they're going to do We've got the four parts that we talked about, right? So we're going to have someone come up. They're just going to pray that first, that, their part in their own words, and then we're going to give like a minute or two for you just to pray yourself that part in your own words. And then the next person's going to come up. And we're going to do that, and then we're going to worship some more. And we do have a treat for the first part, so I'm excited about, about this. But, yeah, um, just think, think about this. Prayer is all about bringing glory to God's name, Right? We so often want to make it about ourselves, but prayer is about glorifying God and hallowing his name. And so let's do that. So we're going we're gonna to have a little video, surprise, and uh, then we're just going to, like I said, after each person prays, it's going to be a, a minute or two of silence, and you're just going to pray yourself. And uh, we're going to do that. we got four parts, and then we're going to worship. Awesome.